baptized, came out of the water. The father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And it's from that fact, Jesus' security and the father's love, that the father was proud of him, that he did everything else that he did. And as a adopted son or daughter into the heavenly father's family, Jesus' goodness has been credited to your account. So the Father looks at you and says, you're approved because of your faith in Jesus. That's where that line comes from. And so we don't live for approval. We live from approval. And it changes the whole mindset. It changes the whole way that we live as Christians. Living for approval is religion. Living from approval is fellowship. It's friendship. It's what Jesus has done for us. And that's where it gets real, real, is when you're living from approval and fellowship, well then you have the freedom to approach him at any time, in any moment, regardless of what has happened or what hasn't happened. You have the freedom to put him at the center of every aspect of your life and walk with him. So why don't you just close your eyes for a moment. I, I'm going to ask you all just to stand for a second. Just humor the moment. Humor me. Humor me and respect the moment. And just take all guilt and shame and kick it out because it's not of Jesus. All feelings of unworthiness because Jesus died for you. <laughs> if you've received him as your Lord and Savior, then he's made you worthy because he put his presence inside of you. So all of those feelings of all of that stuff, put aside and say, thank you, Heavenly Father, that I'm your kid, that you're my friend, and teach me what it means to rest in your goodness and to really believe that I'm approved in you. Thank you, Jesus, that you have approved me. I receive that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Would you guys give him a big old hand? And in the name of fellowship, give three or four people a high five. Tell them how good they look, how, how glad you are that they're here. And maybe even hug a neck or two. Just be. I hear, I hear people talking about my shoes. They were a gift. I went to, uh, a couple weeks ago, I went to a church uh, that I used to work at in, uh, at the Journey Church in Northeast Florida. They had asked me to come preach at one of their campuses. 
and uh, they have a thing for shoes. And so they gave me a gift, and they gave me some shoes. Apparently, they're pretty rare. I don't know. But, I, you know, if it's a gift, I'm going to wear it proudly. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I've never had panda dunks, whatever they, that's what they called them. But I like them. They're kind of comfy. They're real church colors. Maybe that's why they gave them to me. Uh, my name is David John Phillips. I have the joy of getting to be the pastor here. No place I'd rather be, nothing I'd rather be doing. It's just a beautiful thing, and so thank you for choosing to spend your, your morning here with us. I think they turned the heater on. Are you guys hot? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna text the uh, I'm gonna text Cami. Hold on one second. I told her, I think the heater's on. We're sweating. <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know what? Let's just laugh about it. Somebody gave me a dad joke notebook. Come on. <laughs> Courtney, said, Courtney said, who did it? In line with that, it says a dad joke. It's a punny joke guaranteed to embarrass the kids or the wife every single time. A series of words that will cause my wife to involuntarily scream, David. <laughs> no, it wasn't Angie. Anyway, uh, let's read. Did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? Great food. No atmosphere. Look, it, it, just to lighten the mood, it's, it's good to laugh in church if you didn't know. You know, if you, if you came here expected to be just all serious, this is, this is for you. This is why I'm doing this. Atheism is a nonprofit organization. That's a fact. <laughs> My fellow dad over there. Can February March? No, but April May. It sounds like something I would say. And this is my last one, maybe. Dad, can you put the cat out? I didn't know it was on fire. All right, I'll, I'll save more for you guys next week just because it's fun. We, before I get into the series, we're in that Corinthian series, which is going to be a blast to talk about. I have a, a couple of things that's just on my heart that I want to share with you. Um, number one, you may or may not know this. Uh, if you've been coming to Real Church any amount of time, you know that, that God has opened the door for us to be um, involved in Pakistan. Uh, we have been a part of pioneering a work in Pakistan that in the last two years has went from one family asking us to come share the gospel to 300 leaders with 200 apprentices that are discipling between 30 and 60 people a piece. Which is a big deal. 
And a couple of those leaders are together in discipling, right? So, but that was, that was in one unreached people group. If you've been around the church, you've heard about unreached people groups, which are people that have a people group in, around the world that have less than 2% um, access or that have heard the gospel or have received Jesus. And this is an unreached people group in Pakistan. And we, Jerry and I, went back in May and got to preach the gospel. 9,850 gave their life to Jesus. We preached to a crowd of 21,000. Uh, 22,000, sorry, um, um, and uh, an un, another unreached people group came to that crusade, that event, the Jesus event, and they went back and shared uh, the testimony of what God had done, and uh, so we started reaching into that people group and, and uh, sent some of our leaders there, and uh, six people gave their life to Jesus from just sending um, people there and so we we decided we were going to do a Jesus event in that people group to target that a kind of a smaller one where uh, we invite 30 villages 15 villages last night and then 15 villages tonight which is actually happening right now as I'm preaching the second I want to just give you a testimony some testimonies from what happened last night um, so from the 15 villages that came and then some others that walked it was over 1100 people came to hear the gospel and uh by the way, God opens a door. We, we sowed, as a church, we sowed a major seed into the large crusade that we did and have kind of been, um, before that, sowing seeds from our tithe as a church. Uh, we take 10% of everything that comes in and we sow it into the global church, some locally, some nationally, some globally. So some of that has been going to advance the gospel in Pakistan. And uh, anyway, this, these many events, another nonprofit has took notice of what we're doing. And they funded completely these events. And our, come on, isn't that amazing? To the tune of $25,000. Um, and they're also sowing $3,000 a month because uh, we hired 10 leaders to go into uh, the other, or some of the villages that were touched by the crusade, but there's no discipleship groups happening to raise up discipleship groups. And in the last four months since they hired that, we've had 843. No, sorry, 883 uh, people give their life to Jesus in those villages. Isn't that awesome? Um, and some of those, about 60 of those, are people that were led to Jesus by people that had le been led to Jesus by the leaders. Disciples making disciples who make disciples. Come on. So anyway, last night, 300 um, of the 1,100, a little over 1,100 that came, about 300 gave their life to Jesus. Uh, an unreached people group being, another unreached people group being reached. Um, there were many miracles, and, and we'll, we'll get exact numbers. I'm just telling you about right now. Um, but I just want to tell you a couple of miracles that happened. One, a Muslim family came from a little further away. Because um, a lot of this group are a Hindu area of, of Pakistan. But a Muslim family came from a little further away. And just like the story in the Bible... They came and they stood on the outside and they asked to pray for their daughter who is uh, demon-possessed and, and um, um, sick because of that. And if you don't believe in, in, in that, that's okay. You're in America. <laughs> we, you, you call it something else. Anyway, so, so Daniel said, no, come hear the gospel. Come inside. Hear the gospel first. I'll pray for your daughter. So they came in, heard the gospel, 
uh, prayed for the daughter. They went back home, and the daughter was completely healed. Another man they brought on a mat because his spine had been severed. And you could feel, this is testimony from our leader that's there, uh, his, his uh, name's Daniel, but you could feel the, the issue and there was actually still blood and stuff. Um, so anyway, the, the 300 that gave their life to Jesus Instead, it's the first time this has happened. Instead of going back home, they stayed in order to share testimonies the next morning of what God did in their lives. So Daniel laid hands on this man, put his hand on the wound and the blood. Couldn't walk. Prayed for him. Anointed the wound again with oil. Prayed for him again. And by the end of the thing, the man was up serving everyone else food. Jesus is real. Sometimes he'll ask you like he did in the, in the Bible, do you want to be healed? Some people don't want to be healed. Some people would rather sit in their infirmity or in their, instead of pursue that because of the attention they get or because they've just gotten so used to being defined by that instead of pursuing wholeness in Christ. Others are just so, they explain everything away and explain away the miracles that God wants to do because he wants to love you, but he also wants to show you the power of the gospel. These people gave their life to Jesus and they're having another event right now. So I just want to take a minute to pray together because there's 15 other villages that we sent buses to that are coming in and hearing the gospel right now. So just join with me in prayer. Father, we, we thank you that we get to sit in cool and heat and other things. These people are sitting on dirt with curtains around, which we got that. But Lord God, I just, I thank you that you are good. And I thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing in unreached people groups around the world. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I know that prayer matters. The prayer of righteous people are powerful and effective over righteous because of what you did. So Lord, right now we pray that every, every wall that would hinder the gospel from touching their hearts. Everything, every block in their minds, we rebuke it. And Lord God, we just pray that the words of Daniel and Pramula are so anointed by your presence. It's like the sword of truth that cuts open those hearts. So they receive your goodness. They come to know you and are forever changed by the power of the gospel, that people would be healed, saved, delivered, Lord God, and go back and there would be a multiplication effect that that whole people group would know Jesus and it would continue to spill over into other areas of this nation and of the Middle East. Thank you that this little baby church plant gets to be a part of what you're doing around the world. Thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Come on. Um, one of the things we're doing here, too, is we get to mentor students in Oak Grove Middle School. So if you're interested in doing that, um, there'll be more information at the end. There's a QR code. Those, you saw those little badges that say, how may I serve you? Um, there is a, a QR code on there. You can sign up that way. I'm checking on the heat.
Okay, she said, we're so thankful for Cammie. She, she takes care of us. She said, thankfully, we have heaters on. However, my sub-panel for the AC is not responding. Unfortunately, I can't activate any of the AC units. Um, <clears throat> so, Lord, we just pray those AC units work. Either, either way, we're going to stand and praise you and listen. Amen. You mind if I just share one more story? Is that okay? Um, if you just said no, I wouldn't have. But I, just, I learned a lesson. There's a, there's, a, there's a statement I want you guys to remember, and I, I want it to be a normal thing to say at and around real church. The statement is, your growing is showing. Your growing is showing. Could you, could you guys just say that? Your growing is showing. And, I, and I, I'll say this. When you minister out of the overflow, you can't help but grow. Meaning, when you spend time in friendship and fellowship with the Lord, He's pouring into you, not so that you can become a lake that keeps it to yourself, that's stagnant, but so that you could become a river with Him at the source, pouring out what He poured in. And as you do that, you will grow more than you thought possible. But if you keep it to yourself, you will become stagnant. You'll hear that almost every Sunday at Real Church. Something along those lines, but we can define it as you're growing and showing. I went on a I'll leave it like that and we'll, we'll come back to that because we, we, we may not have time. Um, oh, I might as well. I, 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 went on a, I went on a run with my son and uh, we ran four times together. And he's, he loves a reward. If I, give, if I give him a reward, he'll shoot for it and he'll make it. So I told him we'd go get it. He loves when me and Courtney go get an acai bowl. And uh, he, he wanted an acai bowl. And so I told him, all right, son, if you run with me seven miles, he's 10, seven miles, we'll go get you an acai bowl. Now, he's ran five miles twice with me for a reward, and he ran two miles once before that. So he's got this crazy endurance that I'm kind of stoking the fire, you know. So we start running, and he runs seven miles with me. I've never run seven miles. <laughs> except with my son. And I didn't force him or push him. He pushed himself. When you disciple others, you'll go further than you would alone. Because they'll push you forward to stay a step ahead. If you're not in a discipleship relationship and you're a disciple of Christ, you're wrong. You need to be pouring out of the overflow of your relationship with Jesus to someone, whether they're another Christian or not yet. And he would have never ran seven miles without me. If you're, if somebody, if you're not submitting to someone who is a little further along and letting them pour into you too and encourage and challenge and teach and rebuke you forward, then maybe you need to grow in humility. 
and open yourself up in relationships so you could go further than you could alone. You need to be letting someone pour into you as you're pouring into others. And both relationships will push you forward. Just like Tripp pushed me to run seven miles, and I pushed him to do it. Amen? Amen. Now to the message. <laughs> Don't worry. We will stop at 1117 again. <laughs> Wherever we are. But I gave you guys some homework. We're in, we're in a series titled 1 Corinthians. We bring up, look at that. Isn't that graphic awesome? Alexis made that graphic for us, put a lot of thought into it, and I just think it's a big deal because as we're going through Corinthians, we're going to allow the gospel to focus in, and we're going to view our life through the lens of the gospel. And that's what we should do in every situation, every circumstance, view every aspect of our life through the lens of the gospel because we're in fellowship with him. So just to give honor where honor is due, would you guys give a big old hand for the Alexis who... Okay, so a little review. If you missed last week, go check out the podcast. It'll be a little more in-depth, but we're in Corinth, right? We're in Corinthians. Um, we learned that the city of Corinth um, is basically a, like a conglomeration of New York City, Las Vegas, and New Orleans, right? Uh, Party City was known for in that time, so that's the culture of the city. But also you can go there, make a quick buck, start a business. It's a major port city of Rome. Okay, so this is going to be a little historical. Hopefully put your history caps on because we're painting a picture so that you understand a lot of the principles that we want to draw out so that you can walk this out and understand how it applies to your life. Fair enough? So that's the city of Corinth. And we learned that Paul is an apostle. We learned that an apostle is a word that Jesus specifically chose that was, uh, that was originated in the Greek culture. Romans used it. But we see the effects of, of, of uh, secular society doing this with France everywhere and um, uh, America and a lot of different places, Great Britain, a lot of people speak English around the world. An apostle was a, a term used uh, for the leadership of an armada going to a newly taken over territory. They were, uh, the lead person of the ship was the apostle creating a team in order to bring the culture of the conquering kingdom into the new area to make it um, where if the king ever came to that new area, he'd feel comfortable, right? To, to bring that same culture because the culture of the conquering kingdom is over and above the other culture. So Paul is sent as an apostle into Corinth, the city of Corinth, which has the worldly culture like prostitution and sexual immorality and all kinds of craziness, right? And then, you know, make a quick buck and gambling, all kinds of stuff. Paul is sent there as an apostle to bring the culture of the kingdom into the area of darkness, right? And to begin that culture change. And I gave you guys some homework. 1 Corinthians 1.1 says, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. The homework was, go look up Sosthenes. It's going to be the majority of our message today. We're talking about Sosthenes. Because it's applicable for our lives and shows the power of the gospel. Now, there's some theologians and some people, you know, you can get online and search up all kinds of stuff. And many of them would disagree with what I'm about to say about Sosthenes. But many 
would agree. And I just want to show the power of the gospel. And I'll show you how it shows in scripture. And you make your choice. Don't make your choice based on what a bunch of people say. But make your choice on what scripture says. Right? Because there's one choice. Sosthenes is just a name of some random Greek dude that Paul got to write Corinthians as he dictated it. I just believe that there's more to that word and that name being used. I think it was used with intention. You know? So, a lot of what I'm about to tell you is in Acts 18. Now, I want to give you a choice. I like telling the stories. It's fun. But maybe not everybody loves history. Not everybody's a history buff. Or some people, uh, how would I put this? Some people, if I, if I bake a pie, I'm not a pie, pie baker, but if, if, I, if I were to bake a pie, you don't want all the decorations on it. You just want the pie and the ingredients so that you can eat it and be satisfied. And that's okay. That's how I like to eat pie. But some people, man, they want to see all of the detail and how beautiful it is. And they, so they, they make, you know, like, like Miss Shirley's pies. I mean, it's just, you look at it and you know how good it's about to be. You know? And so... Uh, Today, in this message, we could really dive into some of the historical background and look at it and paint the picture there. Or we could get through it, get to the point, which is going to be powerful as well, and keep going through Corinthians. I'm going to let you decide. If you want to get to the point, raise your hand. Little man wants to get to the point. Amen, brother. That pink shirt's cute, bro. I like it. If you want to... If you want to to hear, like, the historical background? All right. Half of you are like, I don't care. I'm just ready to go eat lunch. <laughs> it ain't even 11. Why are you? No, anyway. All right, well, <clears throat> so you heard some of Corinth. Now, this is going to be applicable, and it's going to show a principle of the gospel, okay? But you're just going to have to follow me a little bit in, in the story. So, so Paul just got done in Athens. I'm going to go into some historical background here, okay? Paul just got done in Athens. He just got done at uh, the Areopagus, which is a place where a lot of people went to find out their truth and the truth of the day and talk about things. Sounds like social media today, right? Paul just got done there. He makes it to Corinth. Now here's some of the details that I wasn't going to bring out, but here we are. When he gets there, he meets these people called Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila just got kicked out of Rome by the emperor Claudius. You know why he got, they got kicked out of Rome? Because there was this, these arguments happening. And in this day and age, like what was going on, like Rome did not recognize Christianity as a religion at the time. They, they thought that Christianity was just a Jewish sect, just some crazies that that are talking about this Crestus fellow. Like Claudius didn't even know the name of Christ. He had just heard him arguing about this Crestus fellow, and he just got annoyed in Rome because of these, these Jewish sect of people, Christians, and the Jews were kept arguing about Crestus. He didn't even hear the whole name. And so he kicks out all of the Jews and the Christians out of Rome and says, go somewhere else. I don't want to hear your arguing anymore. Just so you know, next week we're going to talk about division in the church. <laughs> Paul addresses that, and this is kind of the background, the arguing of this theology and this theology and, 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 and whatnot. Okay, makes sense. You follow me so far? So Priscilla and Aquila were Jews that were in Rome and went to Corinth. 
Paul gets to Corinth, meets Priscilla and Aquila, and because he's bringing in the gospel, of course he's going to build a relationship with them, so he starts working with them as a tent maker, and he starts making tents with them. Don't you know he's going to share the gospel, share Jesus with them, and, and, and disciple them, and it's just a big deal. So that is kind of the backdrop, and you know Priscilla and Aquila probably aren't the only Jews or only Christians that came to Corinth from Rome. It's a major port city, so there's probably a bunch of that divisiveness and a bunch of that ar those arguments and things coming from Rome to the city of Corinth. You follow me so far? We're going to bring it around. So Paul somehow or another, gets hooked up with the synagogue there in Corinth and is able to start speaking there on the day that they meet. So he's preaching about Jesus, and he, he does it for some time. It could have been a few weeks, three or four weeks, whatever it is. But apparently the leader liked him and let him keep speaking about Jesus as Messiah. And so they start getting, the Jews, they don't like hearing Jesus as Messiah. So they start getting angry and violent, and they kick Paul, they say, they say we, don't, we don't want this anymore. And they, as they start getting violent, actually, Paul um, uh, dusts the shoes off his feet and says, I'm done. I'm going to preach the gospel to the non-Jews, which was part of his calling. Crispus, who is the synagogue leader there, apparently believed Paul and gave his life to Jesus. And, and followed Paul where he went. Now, because they were getting violent, you'd think he'd be scared. But Paul boldly, instead of, instead of like running from the city because the Jews are getting violent, he boldly went, not across the block, not across the city, but he went to the, the building right beside the synagogue, owned by a guy named Titius Justice, and he began preaching the gospel there. Now, I have to say that Paul was probably pretty scared at least, it, at least I think that he had some fear about him. And the reason I say that is because in Acts 18, verse 9, are you guys good with the story? Is it okay if I keep, you like, okay. Just doing it a little different this time. In Acts 18, verse 9, it says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and said, Do not be afraid. Everybody say, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. No one is going to attack you or harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. The reason I think Paul was afraid is because God spoke to him a vision and said, do not be afraid. Now, he could have started to feel some fear and God came and and, and said, don't be afraid, you know, like he talked to Joshua, have great courage. Or it could have been that he was tempted to be afraid. But in every season that you walk through, every single one, God will always give you the word that you need in order to be able to stand by faith in the midst of the season and accomplish the very purposes of God that he has for you. Every time. He will give you the word that counteracts the enemy trying to prevent you from walking out your purposes for your life. Every single time. If, if we would just communion, fellowship, have ears to hear, because he's if, he, if you're his kid, 
Even if you're his not, if you're not his kid yet, if you haven't been born again, he is going to draw you into relationship so that he can lead you through every season so that you can walk through not just seasons, but every moment, every situation by faith with Jesus at the center. That's what he was doing for Paul here. Now, Paul had a choice. Paul's choice was he could run. They're violent. He could go to the next city and say, those guys... They were going to kill me. He had excuses. All kinds of excuses. But instead, he heard the word of the Lord. Faith comes by hearing. Believed it. And then obeyed it. That's complete faith. And because of that, there were many in Corinth that gave their life to Jesus. He stayed there for another year and a half. And I would just tell you, do not, whatever season you're in, whatever situations are, are happening to you, can you turn this mic just down just a little bit? I'm, having, I'm, I'm holding it down more and more. So maybe I'm getting louder and louder. But whatever's happening to you, whatever season's going on in your life, this word is for you too. Do not be afraid, for he is with you. And that is enough. I can't tell you that you won't physically be harmed. Probably not in America. Maybe. But I can tell you even if you are, He's with you. And blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That he'll stand with you through the storm and give you everything you need to walk through it and be formed by it. Amen? We're not even to Sosthenes yet. So Paul stayed there. Now, year and a half he's preaching. And guess what? I bet those Jews in that synagogue right beside them, because they were, got mad, violent, and there he is every week, and actually, he, he devoted his time to it. So it's probably multiple times throughout the week. He's preaching the gospel. I bet they're seething. It doesn't say that, but I know a year and a half later, however many new leaders of the synagogue they had, they had this new leader named Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue. And there was a unified effort to take Paul down. And they dragged Paul before Gallio, the, the Roman leader of the synagogue. I mean, the Roman leader of the town, the judge. They dragged Paul, and they said, hey, he's not doing the right thing according to the law. Gallio didn't even hear them. He's like, according to your law, not Roman law, why are you even bringing this guy to me? This, this makes no sense. I'm not even hearing it. And look at what happened. Acts chapter 18, verse 17. Or 16 says, so he drove, the, drove them off. Verse 17. Then the crowd turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue leader, and beat him in front of the proconsul. And Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. Now, 1 Corinthians 1.1. 1, 1. It's the only two times that name is mentioned in the Bible. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. Now, there's, I believe this is the same person. There's two options here. The crowd could have been the Jews that were mad that Sosthenes didn't lead their unified effort to kill Paul or to get Paul out of the city well enough and turned on Sosthenes to beat him down. Or it could have been the Roman crowd that were 
aggravated that Sosthenes would even waste their time like this. Either one, Sosthenes is beaten in front of the very people that he was leading. And everybody saw it. And what did Paul do? 1 Corinthians 1 says, our brother Sosthenes. See, I just think of Jesus when he's on the cross. He was just dragged to the cross, whipped, beaten, spit on, naked, shamed. And he didn't say, I just healed half of you. Why would you do this? I'm done with you. You don't deserve this. I'm going on to the next culture. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And he died for them anyway. And he rose again. And he's inviting them into relationship with him. Well, now think about Paul later. Before Paul gives his life to Jesus, Paul's standing and Stephen is being stoned. The first martyr. Stephen's preaching the gospel. The Jews get mad because basically by preaching that Jesus is alive means that they're wrong. That they should accept Jesus as their Messiah. Stephen's preaching the gospel. Jews get mad. They pick up stones and they begin stoning him. Can you imagine being stoned to death? Like rock after rock hitting you. And as he's, Stephen falls to the ground on his knees, looks up, says he sees heaven open. He, he screams, I see heaven open. The Jews are covering their ears. And Paul, it says, is standing right there. They threw their cloaks at him so they could have some good throwing space, you know. And Paul, he, he's the one that's leading a lot of the persecution. And he is approving of their stoning of Stephen. And before Stephen dies, Stephen screams out, Father, don't hold this sin against them. Now, I just imagine that seed of the gospel, because that's the gospel lived out right there, impacted Paul and opened his heart up. Because when Jesus appeared before him, Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He probably would have remembered Stephen. Father, don't hold this sin against them. And we can't prove this, but I believe that that seeded him to be able to receive the gospel, but also discipled him to be able to treat others with the same compassion. Because Paul in Philippians said, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And he was taught in this circumstance, that mindset, by seeing Stephen die and say, Father, don't hold their sin against them. So what did Paul do with Sosthenes? Our brother. I believe Paul went to Sosthenes. And he didn't hold the sin against him. Sosthenes was going to try to beat him down. Kick him out of the city. I believe Paul showed the compassion and empathy of Christ our Savior. And then discipled him. His growing was showing. Showed Jesus to him. Because later, a year and a half of or, no, no, about a year or a year or two later, 
after Paul is discipling Sosthenes. They're in another city. And what's going on in Corinth is all kinds of craziness, right? People are getting led to Jesus, and they're being led out of a crazy lifestyle, being born again. And now they have all of these habits, but the, Jesus is on the inside changing them, and, and they don't know what to do and what not to do and how to grow and, and what's happening. So there's just a mess because there's a whole lot of new baby Christians. I said it last week. I want a mess in our church because that means there's a whole lot of new baby Christians. I can't wait to help clean up the mess and disciple people to Christ. And then once your mess is cleaned up, you turn around and start cleaning up other people's mess because we're discipling each other together. Amen? And there's mercy and grace for your mess. Corinth, this church is growing because Paul spent time making disciples there. His church is growing, but because it's growing, there's a mess. So they write a letter to to Paul in another city called Ephesus. Paul receives the letter, sees all the craziness, and knows that he's got to write back to encourage the young church, to teach the young church, to rebuke the young church, and to, to push them forward in righteousness, right believing leading to right living, practically what this looks like. That's the, that's the book of Corinthians. That's Paul writing this letter back to them. That's what happened. But, man, I just think Paul said, you know what? Sosthenes, come here. You're the perfect example of the power of the gospel to show somebody that used to be violently opposed to it just like I was. But God changed your life and they literally saw God begin to change in your life while I was in Corinth. You know what? In that first verse when I write this letter to give it more power and more oomph of the power of the gospel, I'm going to put your name. Help me write it, Sosthenes, as we're doing this so that Corinth will see the power of the gospel and know that that same power to change a life is applicable for them. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. Holds a little bit more weight, don't it? Isn't that beautiful? The gospel has the power to change your life, too. Gives a little bit more color. Now, you might disagree that that happened or not. I just know that it's in line with the story of Scripture. It's in line with the character and nature of our God. And I see no other reason for Paul to write the name Sosthenes. Let's go to verse 3. We read verse, we went through verse 2 last week. Check it on podcast. It says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In getting started, I'm just making sure that we have a bunch of fundamentals down. A lot of people wrongly use the term grace. They say, give me grace, give me grace, give me grace. You don't mean give me grace, you mean give me mercy. Mercy covers our sin. God is a merciful God and he covers your sin. When you, when you want somebody, when you just messed up or, or you're messing up or whatever, <laughs> it's mercy that you need because mercy covers. Grace empowers you to be who you couldn't be on your own. And to do what you couldn't do on your own. Grace is God giving you his power to do what you could never do except through him. Make sense? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. You don't deserve his spirit empowering you to do that. You don't deserve what he's done for us. You don't deserve 
him giving you a calling to live out what he's put inside of you. Amen? It's a big deal. And we live this life by grace through faith. Let's, let's just keep going for a second. Verse 4, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been, everybody say have been, enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. Everybody say all knowledge. Oh my gosh, all knowledge? No, we won't talk about that. How could it say I've been enriched with all knowledge? Like it's just past tense. I have been enriched with all knowledge, with all kinds of speech. Some people are like, I'm afraid to speak in front of people. But you've been enriched with all kinds of speech. Let me explain. You have the Spirit of God living inside of you who has all knowledge and the ability to speak in whatever way is necessary. The very Spirit of God, the one who created the universe, who has all knowledge. Now watch this. My son, he might not know how to speak in a certain situation. And he might not know the the wisest way to act in a certain situation, right? But I have more wisdom than he does. I don't have all wisdom. I don't, or I, my life doesn't display all wisdom. <laughs> Yet, I'm growing in him. But I have more life experience and more knowledge because I've been trained a little bit more and lived out a whole lot more stuff than he has because he's 10. So, if in a certain situation, he needs help and he comes to me and I tell him how to speak and he obeys me, even without understanding why, He's displaying all of the wisdom of his father by his obedience. He doesn't know what to do in a certain certain situation. And I tell him, I want you to do this. But dad, what? I want you to do this. When he obeys me in doing that thing, his life is displaying all of the wisdom of me just by his obedience. And our relationship with the father... He has all knowledge, and he's been placed inside of of us. We walk in fellowship with him because we've been born again. When we obey his leading, through scripture, through prayer, through moment to moment, through other people, when God leads us and when we obey, our life displays all of the wisdom of our Heavenly Father, whether or not we understand. When we disobey, we display all of our foolishness. By faith, we understand, Hebrews 11.3. A lot of times, it's on the other side of obedience that we begin to understand why God told us to do what we did. And as we consistently obey and we consistently get to the other side of obedience, we begin to not just know what he's saying, but we begin to know why he's saying it. So we begin to know God's ways. Our knowledge of God, our relationship with him is growing because we're not just knowing what he does and what he says, but we're understanding his ways. We're understanding why he says it. We're becoming a kid that can more adequately imitate our heavenly father. Isn't that cool? One more thing. Do you mind if I go... Four minutes over uh, 11:24, and then we'll be done. Is that okay? And we'll get through verse nine. And it says, "God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you." 
I'll go there another time. Verse 7. It says, therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift. Everybody say, I don't lack any spiritual gift. It's there in Scripture. You do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. As a matter of fact, a lot of people are scared of the spiritual gifts. You don't lack them. They're already in you. And it says in 1 Corinthians 14 to eagerly, eagerly desire them, which we'll get into. You can't just read over 1 Corinthians 14 and explain away because of your lack of experience. You don't lack any spiritual gift. So how does that work? <laughs> Let's say, why, why do you not lack any spiritual gift, that truth, but yet you don't experience them right now in your life? I'll tell you. Let's say, when you become my friend, let's say when you become my friend, I deposit a trillion dollars into your account, your bank account, and then I write you a letter telling you I deposited a trillion dollars into your bank account, and I mail it to you. Now, you have a couple options. You get the mail, and you don't read it. Put it on the shelf. A lot of people, the other option is you open the mail and you read it, but you don't believe it, so you never go to the bank. Other people, you get the mail, you read it, then you go to the bank and you put it in your pocket. So now, as the situations, the right situation arise, you have the ability to use it. You don't lack any spiritual gift. There's a lot of people, we have a letter that's written to us that shows us all of the gifts that he's given us. And a lot of people operate out of ignorance because they haven't sought out what those gifts mean and what it looks like to walk them out daily in your daily life. And so because of that, they have a friend who's deposited a lot in their bank account, but they're walking in ignorance because they don't know. We spend time reading the letter. Then there's a lot of other people that know, but because of what other people have said, what they've always heard, blah, 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 they don't believe what the letter says. They believe what everybody else says or their lack of experience. So they never go to the bank to withdraw it. Do you realize you can have something in the bank account, but it's a whole lot different to have it in your pocket, be able to walk around and use it day to day? It takes faith to withdraw what's in your account. I... Believe what he said. Faith is hearing. So coming out of ignorance, hearing, believing, and then putting it into practice. A lot of times we're not walking out what's in our account because we don't have the obedience, the, the amount of belief necessary to put it into practice in the proper situations. And then others, you believe it, you've went and now you're just like a toddler learning how to use the tool put in your hand. You don't know yet, so you make a mess of it. Guess what? The Father has grace for your mess. Well, sorry, mercy for your mess. And his grace will empower you to use the tool as you continue to do it by faith. And here's the appropriate time to say what I said, what I was going to say. And I'll be done. 
if, if I say I'll be done three times, um, that's, that's where it's true. Verse 6, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ in you. Okay. We're saved by grace through faith. Not just by grace alone, but by grace through faith. The Bible says that God has given the whole world grace, but not the whole world is saved because not the whole world has faith. The whole world doesn't believe in the grace that God has given. It's by grace. Everybody say, by grace, by grace. through faith. So God has this grace that he wants to empower you to live a holy life, to empower you first to be his kid. We receive it. We believe it (laughs) through faith, right? And then we confess it. That's the obedience action. By grace, through faith, believe, uh, hear, believe, and obey. Confess Jesus as Lord. But now the rest of our life is by grace, through faith. We hear the grace is him speaking to us, and his word had the power to create the universe and create everything. It definitely has the power to empower you to live a holy life and to walk out every gift that he's given you and to have all knowledge to display so that the world around you can know Jesus more clearly. So his his word is grace to create his righteous life in and through you. But what it takes is you faith, hearing Faith comes by hearing, believing, and then obeying. And in our obedience, that grace is made manifest through our life so the world around us sees Jesus more clearly. Amen? We're done. Father, I just thank you for your goodness. I'm going to ask you to stand, Mariah, if you could. You're over there. Hold on one second, but I want to ask you to stand. Father, I I pray that those under the sound of my voice, online and here, Lord God, that they hear your word, receive that you have the power to change them from the inside out. Lord, you've given them the grace of your, all of the power that's in your word. Lord, I pray they believe it. They surrender their life to it as Lord. You're Lord. You are the word, Jesus. And then they begin to obey in their daily life so that their life demonstrates the culture and character of the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Lord God, for what we get to do as your church together. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today to The Real Church Podcast. I pray that you walk away from today encouraged and with a deeper understanding of how much God loves you. If you'd like to connect with us, we can't wait to reach out to you and pray for you. You can go to www.realchurch.us slash connect. And then also, if you would like to give to what God is doing in and through our ministry, you can do so at www.realchurch.us giving, or you can text any amount to 84321, and then just search in the link that comes up, search for Real Church Clearwater. God bless you, and the best is yet to come.